pray now as we open up for, for the message. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to look at your word. We ask you to guide and keep us and show us what you'd have to see from this section of scripture and guide, teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be continuing in Ecclesiastes. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, one of the things that I want to say as we do the book of Ecclesiastes, and I want to encourage everybody to remember, Ecclesiastes is a pretty depressing book. <laughs> All right, And we're going to take months to get through it, and I want you to keep one thing in mind, and that is the most important verse in Ecclesiastes is what we're going to get to at the very end, which is Ecclesiastes 12.13. And it says, let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of the law. All right? That is the conclusion, and we're going to keep bringing that up every week because I want you to keep remembering, <laughs> even though this book is kind of depressing in itself, he comes to the conclusion of fear God, obey God. All right? And so we talked last week, this book is written by Solomon, and we're going to look about that a little bit more today. And he's giving his message, he, he started out very wise. He started out giving God, saying, I want wisdom. And he was very godly, he fell away from God, and got stuck trying to find God in all the wrong places. And that's what the Ecclesiastes is about, all the wrong places. As we read the book and study the book of Ecclesiastes, we're going to see that Everything that's going on today happened way back then. Okay, and he was complaining back then that everything that was going on then had always been going on before that. And his big phrase that he's going to say over and over again is there's nothing new under the sun. Now, we may have a new way to deliver things. Okay, uh, we have kind of new ways to deliver it. You know, we, we have pornography that's very available on on all our electronic gizmos. It used to be that you had to get a book or you had to even see it live. And, but pornography's always been around. It started way back in the beginning. It's always been there. People have stolen all their life. Uh, politicians have been corrupt all, their, all the time. People have taken bribes through all of history. Uh, you know, everything that can go on has always gone on. And uh, we talk about 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is... No temptation that is, but is common to man, but God is faithful. So everything we go through is common. It's always been there. It's fun to read the Bible and you look at it. And how many people have you ever heard somebody say, well, you believe that old book? It's so old-fashioned. It has no relevance today. And I read it and I'm going, okay, all I'm going to do is change a few names. And I'm reading today's paper and listening to today's news broadcast. Okay, nothing new under the sun. So Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king of, in Jerusalem, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit has a man of all his labor that he takes under the sun? One generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides for, forever. The sun is, also arises, the sun goes down and hastens back in, to where he came. The wind goes toward the south and turns back into the north. It whirls around continually, and the wind returns again according to its circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full, and unto the place from whence the river comes, there it returns again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, the ear filled with, nor the ear filled with hearing. 
One thing that, that has been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything wherefore it may be said, see, this is new? It hath been already of old times, which was before us. There is no remembrance of the form of things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come or the things that shall be. All right, kind of depressing, isn't it? He says, everything is just a continual cycle. Have you ever felt that way yourself? Okay, I get up in the morning, I eat breakfast, I go to work, I come home, I do my yard work and my housework, and I go to bed, I get up in the morning, I get, eat my breakfast, I, do my, I go to work. Yeah, this is basically what he's saying, <laughs> all right? Uh, we all can get caught up in that. In Psalms, God tells us that his mercies are new every morning. In God's side of things, he says, okay, we're doing a repetition, but I've got a new day for you. When we concentrate on what God has in our path, it's a new day. It's an exciting day. Uh, and... This is what it starts out. It says, the word of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. And you can almost picture him standing up, and we talked about this last week. Preacher here literally means the speaker of, in the assembly. Okay? And he's at, a, he's at some group, and he's probably a whole bunch of young guys. He's probably coming along to them and saying, you know, hey, guys, I'm an old man. Let me tell you about life. <laughs> now, how many of you are in this room that are older have ever tried to tell young people anything? <laughs> Uh, usually they might be respectful as they listen to you, but they're going, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. Until they get older and have gone through a few things and realize that they'd have saved themselves a whole lot of trouble by listening. Our job here is to listen to Solomon. Because he's going to say some things that we're going to go, well, I don't know about that. Solomon was there. He did it. And if you look at history, it's exactly what happens. Because Solomon literally is going to try everything there is to try. And he had the money to do it. Okay. He, he is going to try. As we're going to go through there. He's going to try through collecting stuff, through work, through, through religion. He's going to try everything there is to do. I mean, he only had a few women, 1,000 of them. You know, so he tried, he tried that. You know, he has tried everything to do to find God. What's really sad is he'd already known, he already knew what it was to find God. He'd forgotten how many of us get to there? We forget God. We get away from God and wander in the wilderness trying to find God when all we have to do is go back to where, he went, where we found him in the first place. And that's where Solomon comes to the final conclusion of the matter. It was vanity of vanities, emptiness. <laughs> emptiness and total emptiness. And he comes to the statement, all is empty. And without God, our world is empty. When you try to do things without God, even as a Christian, if we try to do things without God, it's empty. You know, each one of us, and I'm not going to have anybody try to share what they did to get there, but each one of us has had something in our life where we have tried to chase to fill the emptiness. Okay. I got saved when I was young, but when I got to be a young, young man in my 20s, I went into workaholism trying to find fulfillment in work. It didn't work. You know, there was no fulfillment in it. I just looked one day, and my son, my oldest son is, is in ninth grade, and I'm going, how would you get this old so fast? You know, who, you know who, are you, who is this young man in my house? And it really made me wake up. But, you know, we look at this. What do we fill or try to fill our life with other than God? You know, most of the people who come to church are trying to fill God, you know, fill up with God. Not everybody, but most. 
some people are trying to fill up with family. You know, family's going to disappoint you. If you're trying to get your satisfaction out of your family, they'll disappoint you. Somewhere, somehow, some way, they will disappoint you because they won't live up to your expectation. And the worst thing you probably have is big expectations for people because that will disappoint you. Even small expectations <laughs> might disappoint you. Now, I'm not telling you don't live without expectations, but just keep them in perspective. Uh, because if you're trying to get your fulfillment from their ex meeting your expectations, nothing but disappointment, vanity. Nothing but vanity. And um, so this is what he starts with. Everything is vanity. He goes, one man, what profit had the man in labor which he takes under the sun? Yeah. What ultimate profit? And that was my area, labor. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go be the top of the company. <laughs> I'm going to make lots of money. None of it was ever satisfying without God. It's, nothing is satisfying. And that's his first statement. His first statement was just one of the one, it was one that I had the biggest problem with. And then he goes on this, uh, one generation passes away and another generation comes and the earth abides forever. In other words, anything that we do is, on this lifetime is going to be forgotten at some point. Okay. Now, if you do something really big, you might be lucky and get remembered for a couple hundred years. Maybe even a thousand years. I mean, that's if you really do something big as far as humanity is concerned. But, you know, how many people can remember all of your history that you ever learned and everything, all the battles you learned about, all the names that you learned about? You know, some of those people were pretty important in their day. And they've been forgotten. You know, and go back, you know, a thousand years, who remembers anything? Who remembers anything about, you know, a thousand years ago? Now, if you're a history buff or you, you really care about something, you might know, you might know something from a thousand years ago. For those of us who are Christians, we might know that that was when the church got restarted up and kicked back into gear because Martin Luther was in that period of time, you know, a couple hundred years ago. And we go, okay, yep, yeah, I, I remember that name. <laughs> okay. How many of you remember John Calvin, Tyndale, you know, all these other guys from that period of time? Most people don't. Okay. You know, we look at these and say, one generation comes, next generation. In this group here that, that I, we're talking to today, for the most part, if we talk about the bombing of Pearl Harbor, everybody goes, yep, I remember. I remember what I was doing that day. <laughs> uh, you know, younger people barely even remember that there was a bombing of Pearl Harbor. They barely remember there was a World War II. <laughs> okay, and give them the names of these things and they're going, I yeah, don't know what you're talking about. This is what he's saying, you know, you think you're, you think you're doing great things? History's going to remember you? And he goes, nah, you're not going to be remembered. And it's a true statement. You know, even if you look at your own life, how much of your own life do you remember from 40 years ago. You know, you know, I can't remember what I had to eat to dinner last week, much less anything, you know, <laughs> some of these other things, you know, and this is what he's saying. You go through and you're forgotten. And, you know, and that can be very depressing if you're trying to be famous. You know, you know my goal is to be famous. Okay, you're well known. You know, think about actors and actresses. You know, how many people do you know from way back when, you know, if you, told their, if you gave their name out today, nobody would go, who are you talking about? You know, Margaret the other day was giving some singer and nobody knew who the singer was. 
you know, one, one of the people she liked, probably fairly famous in their in their time period, you know, in their time period in their in their group, but nobody knew them. How easy is it is to be forgotten? Why? Because in the grand scope of things, people on this world are not that important to the world. They are for a period of time, which is why it's kind of laughable when you hear about man causing all the problems with the earth and all this stuff, and you go, you know, you guys haven't read Ecclesiastes. <laughs> You know, 100 years from now, everybody's going to laugh at them and say, you know, what were they talking about? You know, we need to keep this in mind. God is what's important. We are not that important. Now, granted, God uses us while we're here. He has a plan for us while we're here. And in heaven, he's going to reward us for what we've allowed him to do on this world. And that's why Jesus says, lay up your treasure in heaven where rust and moth does not corrupt. Because that is eternal. In heaven, you'll be known for eternity for what God lets you do here. And the good news, and the thing I've told you before, I'm looking forward to heaven. I will quit forgetting things that I know. You know it's depressing to me to go in the book that I've studied and go, I don't remember anything about this. Or try to remember something and go, I know I know this and I can't remember it. And apparently it gets worse as you get older, <laughs> which scares me because I'm still young as far as I'm concerned. You know, but you know, he says in Ecclesiastes, you're forgotten. You think you're great? <laughs> Next generation is not going to remember who you are. If, even if you are famous enough to manage to go through a few generations, give it, give it a millennia, and nobody's going to remember who you are. He goes on to say the sun comes up, the sun goes down. <laughs> Which literally, and I hear this, you know, how are you doing today? It's another day. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm glad it's another day. I'm looking forward to my day. I don't know about you. But if you're in the world's point of view, it literally is just another day most of the time. I'm just going through another day. I'm coming to work. Looking forward to Friday. What are you going to do Friday? Well, we're going to a party. I'm going to get blasted. <laughs> okay, and then what are you going to do? Recover. <laughs> oh, wow, that sounds like a really wonderful weekend. <laughs> get totally wasted and spend your last day of the you know, getting recovered. And you're looking forward to this. And you're just drudging through life, which is why we need to be able to come and go back to God's mercies are new every morning. You know, and I want to encourage you, get up in the morning and say, God, what is it you want me to do today? What is it you want me to do today? It may be as simple as taking the list of names that we've given you and pray for these people to get saved. I call that simple, but you know, in heaven, that may have the greatest impact of anything that you could possibly do. It may be go on to the post office and talk to somebody. You know, I used to love it when I didn't, when I didn't have to work for a living outside, the, outside here. You know, I would hang out at the post office and say hi to a few people each day. It was a great place to go and meet people and talk to people. You know, but you know, what is it that God has asked you to do? How are you sharing with people? What are you sharing? And it doesn't have to be just the gospel message. It could just be a word of encouragement. It could be a phone call to a friend that's on your heart. Or if God puts somebody on your heart, pray for them at the very least. They probably need something. If they're on your heart, they're probably needing something. If you have time, call them. You know, but you know, we sometimes discount the power of prayer. You know, we, we have this phrase, and you all know when we say, you know, I've tried everything else, I might as well pray. You know, what a dumb statement. <laughs> you know, 
Well, God, I've tried everything I possibly can do, so now I'll ask you to help me. I kind of learned over the years, I want to have God to help me a lot earlier than the end. Because he usually sets his face against us when we're trying to do it our own way. And say, I want you to pray. We need to learn to pray more. Come before God's face. Put our day in his hands. You know, I love going to work and you know, just saying, I'm going to have a good day. I am going to have a good day. No matter what happens, I'm going to have a good day. And a lot of the people at the prison are tired of hearing me say that. You know, they go, well, don't you ever have a bad day? I go, bad things happen to me, but I'm going to have a good day. Because I'm not going to let the bad things dictate my day. Now, some days are better than others. I'm going to tell you right off the bat, some days are better than others. And you all know that. Some days are better than others. Some days are harder to get through. But if we're looking for what God's got in store for us, even those hard days, we have a promise. All things work together for good for those who are called according to the purpose of God. So I'm just looking and going, okay, God, you know, I don't know how this is going to be good, but you say it's good, I'm going to go out and keep walking. You know, but he's talking about the drudgery of each day. day. Sun comes up, sun goes down, sun comes up, sun goes down. And he goes on, the, not only does the sun, but the wind just keeps flowing. Especially for us in Mojave County. <laughs> the wind keeps blowing. <laughs> but he says, it just keeps blowing. And it comes back. And he goes, you know, and his mindset is somewhere this air should stop, stop coming around, but it keeps big circle. And amazing that he said it came in a big circle because now we know if you look at the, if you look at the world global patterns, you see the winds circling. <laughs> you know, and yet Solomon talked about that not just poetic, I think God showed him that the winds literally circle. You know, things are in the Bible and people always wrote them off to, oh, what a poetic thing. And then we start studying and we go, oh, the winds do run in a circle. Uh, the oceans do have paths and streams and currents in them. You know, uh, the earth is round as the Bible told them it is, contrary to the accusation of so many people that say, well, you Christians just, you know, the Bible teaches that the world was flat. No, the Bible has never taught the world was flat. The Bible taught that the world was a spear hung in, hung, in, hung in space. It was the Catholic Church that taught that the world was flat. Okay, but they did not get it from the Bible. And yet, because they taught it for a millennia, people go, oh, see, you Christians all believe this. No, most of us believe what the Bible said. So we get into the Bible and we say, look, it's all true. Then he goes in, the rivers run to the, run to the sea, and the sea doesn't get full. You know, it returns back to where it came from, which is the water cycle. It goes out to the oceans, gets, gets evaporated, and lakes, but mostly the ocean, and goes back and falls down on the, on the land. You know, and he goes, just cycles. Everything is in cycles. And we need to even understand that our life runs in cycles, too. We're born, we get old, we die. <laughs> okay? Uh, we have cycles of... We start walking with God, and if we walk into sin, he'll say, eventually, I'm going to bring judgment upon you, and we have a choice of repenting or getting punished. We repent, we go back to the beginning and start our cycle all over again. How depressing that is. God, every time I do things right, we're going to go back through and have, have to get tested all over again to, to see if I'm going to do it right or fall or get bust. How depressing can life be? This is what this whole is. This is why I say it's most important that we remember Ecclesiastes 12, 13. For this is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God 
have them memorized, dude. And keep his commandments, for this is the whole of the law. Fear God and keep his commandments. That is the ultimate goal of why we are here. To fear God and, and love him and keep his commandments. And that would mean all of his commandments, not just the ones we want to obey. And that gets pretty tough because God, God is saying, you know, the Old Testament only has 613 laws. You know, most people don't have any idea what most of those laws are. I don't know. I've never personally counted them. I would take the rabbi's opinion that there are 613 laws. Uh, I can picture that there are at least that many. <laughs> you know, and that doesn't even count what Jesus added to the written laws. You know, Jesus just made them harder to keep. You know, he said that if you've looked at somebody with lust, you've committed adultery. If you're angry with a brother, you've committed murder. You know, wow. You know, <laughs> you know, Jesus took all those laws and he said, let's, let's tweak them just a little higher to show you God's standard. And we look at these things and we say, God, what is it that you're wanting us to do? He says, all things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear with hearing. He goes, labor doesn't work. What you see isn't going to be enough, and what you hear is never going to be enough. You know, and this is, again, how much learning can you learn before you think you're going to be satisfied? If you really like learning, there's never an end to learning. Okay, he goes, you see things. Are you ever satisfied? You know, there's all kinds of beauty out there to, to observe and you know and see. You know, and it's an amazing thing. I've, I've spent a lot of time going around different places in the world and in the different places I've lived. There's beauty everywhere. You know, America has lots of beautiful things to see. You know, you could not run out of things in America to see. And if you run out of things on the land to see, there's things in the ocean to see. If you didn't want us to go to, go to some of the caverns, if you've, has there, have anybody been to caverns and seen the beauty of what God has put under the ground? <laughs> under the ground for us to, to, to discover? You know, you get down into the ocean and, and look at the different things in the ocean. There is beauty everywhere. We are discovering that God put beauty in places that we can't even see. They're starting to take pictures of things in ultraviolet light and, and red, you know, infrared lights and stuff, and they're seeing beauty that God put out there that we can't see as human beings. Who did he make it for? <laughs> I don't know. You know. But he put beauty in places that we can't even imagine. And he says, there's never going to be an end to your seeing. There's never going to be an end to your hearing. You know, again, we look at this. This is not a good starting place. <laughs> this is why I keep going. We're going to go to the end of the book as we go through this. And he goes, Is there anything where it shall be said, See, this is new. It has already, it has been already of old time, which was before it. In other words, he says, There's nothing new. As I said at the very beginning, we have new delivery systems for it. Okay, we have newer ways of transportation, but we still it's still transportation. We've had newer applications of old things, but it's still the old systems. You know, people are still doing the same sins. They're still doing the same activities. Even the quote-unquote good things are the same. You know, music goes in cycles. I'm sure what we think of as brand new music probably has been sung somewhere in the past, most likely. 
I can't prove that, but I'm sure that most of these beats and stuff have been out there in the past. Maybe not the same, you know, same uh, instrumentation and everything, but I am sure that those beats have been out there in the past. You know, activities are all the same. There's nothing new under the sun. And we need to keep this in mind because what does Satan come and teach us, you know, tempt us with? Well, you're an awful person. You're the only person who has ever had this temptation or, or you're the only person who's ever committed this sin. And then how do we react to that to accusation from Satan? We have a choice saying, Satan, you're a liar. I'm going to draw close to the church and the, and the people who love me. Unfortunately, that's not the usual route that most people take. Most people take, well, you know, I, I am terrible. How could I have done this? I'm the only one that's ever done this. And they pull away from the church. They pull away from the people that love them. They could help them come back to God. Be very careful about that. Understand, when Satan accuses you of being an awful, terrible person because you're the only one that could ever do something like that, you just tell him he's a liar. You are not the only person that's ever committed that sin. You know, and it is an amazing thing that people buy into this. They always end up buying into this. So many people that I talk to and finally get, to get them to go, well, you know, I'm really awful. I've done some really bad things. I'm going, you're no different from anybody else. And they go, well, you don't understand. I go, you're no different from anybody else. You know, what is it that they could have done that is so awful that nobody else has ever done it? Nothing. Nothing. Period. You know, in our day and age, we look at a, at a Hitler and say he was terrible and awful. And he was. He was terrible and awful. But if you go back through history, there was all kinds of butchers that destroyed entire, entire uh, civilizations and people groups. He is not new, and he's not all that awful. He did some things that were bad. You know, we look at, through history, the way man can torture other men. I mean, you want to learn about torture, read the book... Uh, Man, I jumped right out of my head. Uh, the book about martyrs. Huh? Fox's Book of Martyrs, yes. <laughs> Man, I know that book too. You know, you know, it's a hard book to read because they literally start talking, especially during the Middle Ages, of the tortures that man put, put other Christians through. And you know, I don't want to turn people's stomachs because that's how bad it gets. You know, we have learned over the years how to hurt other people. Rome was great. Crucifixion was designed to cause as much pain and suffering as possible. And it was designed to have them on the cross for a week to two weeks, dying. Now, in Jesus' case, they hurried it up, and he was already almost dead when they put him on the cross anyway because of the beating he took. You know, but it was man's ability to harm other men has been specialized over the years. And we don't, even, we don't even have the beginning of it in our day and age at this point. You know, it'll get worse again as, as things turn, turn. But we just want to keep this in mind. Everything out there is always, is always done. And then this end of the section we're reading today, there is no remembrance of the former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of the things that are to come, which things shall come after. In other words, nobody remembers anything. You know, old adage, History repeats, those who do not remember history are doomed to repeat it. We're doomed to repeat it. Because given enough time, we won't remember history. And it's pretty amazing when you start reading history and you go, didn't this happen? You know, uh, this sounds awfully familiar. <laughs> you know, okay, we had a battle here, we had a battle here. What was the reason? Same reason. 
You know, somebody was trying to get some land. Somebody was trying to oppress somebody. Somebody was, you know, it's the same thing over and over again. You know, people rise up in power because they, there's a vacuum in it and they want to be in charge. And when they get weak enough or die, somebody else comes along and takes their place. New name, same, same business. You know, and then they die or get, or get weak and then somebody else comes along. Same, new name, same activities. We look at towns and go, well, you know, the, the politicians are corrupt. Welcome to, welcome to the world. <laughs> you know, they may have good, they may even be good when they start and have good intentions. But the adage says that power corrupts. You know, nobody has absolute power, but power corrupts. Yeah. And the more power you get, the more corrupt you're probably going to get because you start to think, I'm above the rules. You know, uh, how many ever have, maybe hopefully you didn't say it, but maybe you had parents that say, do as I say and not as I do. Okay? Uh, I, I'm in charge. I can do what I want, but you're going to listen. That's the way of the world. That is the way of the world. I'm in charge. You do what I say. I'm above the rules, though. I can do what I want. Not the way to live. Not a godly way to live. Jesus said we're to be the servant of all. If you really want to be a leader, you're the servant of all. Biblical leadership is different. Biblical way of doing things is different. This is why it's so important. Is we're going to look through this. We're going to try to contrast a little bit of this is what the world says. This is what God says. We have before us of two different systems of thinking. We can be biblical-minded, and that's a hard way to live. Why? Because we get bombarded by the world all day long. You know, we, we have this problem of being able to think biblically because of all the bombardment of the world's way. Not only do we have that problem, God says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me. God gives us one way of doing things, and the world gives us Hundreds of ways of doing things. So that's another problem that we have. You know, the way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. How, what's the world tell us? Well, you know, you just do good things. Well, you know, you don't do anything because there is no afterlife. Uh, you know, follow any religion. They all end up at the same place anyway. And they'll just give you lie after lie after lie after lie. And most people like it. They get to pick whatever they want. You know, whatever lie I want, I'll pick. Instead of doing it God's way. God says that, he, that marriage is for, for life because he says you are made in one flesh. And he gave one exception, and that would be for the case of adultery. He says you can, and Jesus told him that that was given only because of the hard, unforgiving hearts of the man, that he even allowed that one. It was not God's desire. What's the world tell us? Well, you don't like the person, just get rid of them. <laughs> you know, whatever, just, you know, just get rid of them. Don't even get married in the first place. <laughs> Live together. No big deal. And the sad thing is, how quickly does that get into our mindsets? You know, how many people have ever said or done something you wonder where it came from? You know it's wrong, and you go, where in the world did that thought come from? I would suggest start looking at what you're reading, what you're watching, what you're listening to on the radio. And you may find out that your words and your actions are what you're watching and filling your mind with. Be very careful. I'm not saying get rid of all entertainment, but make sure that you're filling your mind with God's word. And I've said this. If you want to study some false religion and false things, it's not necessarily bad. But if you're going to do that, spend an equal amount of time in God's word 
to balance out your thought. And I would even say twice as much time in God's word to balance it out. Because it is so easy to fill our mind with garbage and corrupt thoughts that lead to vanity. Vanity. We need to be very careful. What do we fill our minds with? What are we thinking about? What do I say? If you're finding yourself speaking the wrong words, doing the wrong things, get more into God's word. <laughs> you know, usually, though, when we get there, what's the last thing we want to do when we find ourselves drifting away from God? We don't want to get into his word. We don't want to pray. We don't want to come to church. We don't want to hang around with other Christian friends. Wrong answer. <laughs> Draw closer to all of those things. Say, God... I'm having trouble. I want to know you. I want to draw close to you. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. You know, and he's saying, look to me. Jesus says, look to me and be saved. Get into his word. Follow his word. Get hungry for God. Fill your mind. And it's an amazing thing. The more you fill your mind with God, the more your life changes. And we've got that testimony all over this church where people are filling their mind with God and they're going, you know, wow, I'm doing whatever it might be. I'm passing out tracts. I'm talking to people about Jesus. I'm making better decisions. I'm loving, I'm loving God more. I'm being nicer to people. I'm learning to forgive people. <laughs> I'm learning to love people. All of that comes from drawing closer to God and letting him change us. We talk about it all the time. It's really easy to live the Christian life if we just draw close to God and let him change us. It's really hard to live the Christian life if I'm trying to do it in my own strength. If I'm trying to live the Christian life, I'm going to fail. And so will you. <laughs> if you're trying to do it, well, I just got to do what's right. I got to do what's right. I got to do what's right. You know, uh, you know, back in the 90s, there was this WWJD. What would Jesus do? And that great idea. It was a wonderful, wonderful little slogan. But if you're having to think before you do everything, what would Jesus do? Okay, God, i got to get out from in front of this car. What would Jesus do? <laughs> you know, you know, you're hit before you even have time to think. You know, you're in the middle of a temptation, and the decision has to be made within 30 seconds, and you're thinking, okay, what would Jesus do? <laughs> I mean, I understand. I love, the, I love the thought, but you understand what I'm saying. It has to become who we are. When I've dealt with teenagers and I've told them the time to decide what you're going to do in the back seat of the car is not when you're in the back seat of the car. Okay, uh, that is way too late <laughs> because you're going to do what comes natural to the flesh at that point. You're not going to go, oh, you know what? I don't think God wants me to be here. Now, yeah, it may happen, but it's not. But that's not the time to be making that decision. The time to make the decision if I'm going to steal or not steal is not when you're holding the $20,000 deposit from the business in your hand. It needs to be part of who you are. God says, don't steal. I've held lots of big deposits in my hand and never been tempted to take one home because it wasn't mine. It's like, this is the business that goes to the bank because my life was focused on God and that was an area that I'm not tempted to, to, to look at. You know, each one of us have areas, though, that we would be tempted or not tempted. And in the areas where we're tempted, we need to draw close to God and say, God, I need your help. Also guard the areas where you think you're not tempted, <laughs> going to be tempted because you never know. If you don't put a guard on that area, you'll fall flat on your face in that area. 
We hear about all these different evangelists and, and pastors who fall into adultery. I can guarantee, you know, I can't guarantee, but I will say that most of them never thought that there would ever be a time that they would have an adulterous affair with a woman in their, in their church or even outside their church. They were in love with their wife. They were in love with church. They were in love with God. Never going to be happened, and they didn't guard their heart in that area. And then Satan brought around just the right circumstances, the right moment, the right time, the right person, and the next thing you know, they have fallen. Which is why I don't judge them awfully hard. I go, they've sinned. They've hurt, they've hurt the testimony of the church. And they hurt and they fell because they didn't put a guard on, a heart, on their heart on a place that they thought they'd never sin. And we need to all be careful. Well, God, I would never do such and such. Be very careful. <laughs> because that's probably exactly where you're going to fall. Because when we know we're weak, we put a little extra guard. I, I'm not going to fall for this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to, you know, God, with your help, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to guard it. I'm not, you know, God, you know I've got a problem with drinking, so I'm not going to go to the bar and hang out. Okay? Now, somebody goes, well, I'm, I'm so strong, I'll never have a drink, and they go hang out at the bar? Who knows? You know, maybe they are strong. Maybe they won't have that drink. Maybe one day they're going to be in a really bad mood and, and, and everything's going wrong, and they're going to think, what the heck? Be very careful. Wherever you think you're strong, put a guard on that as well. Because where you're strong is where most people fail. You know, and end up falling flat on their face. And Satan knows it. Be very careful. And it says you, people won't be remembered. There's no remembrance. How many times have you done the same thing wrong you know, over and over and over and over again? I don't remember. <laughs> and I forget in my own lifetime how much it will, will be forgotten afterwards. So again, don't want to leave this as depressing because I'm looking at this as I'm going to bring this in. I want to say this is what he's saying. This is what the world says. We want to look at this is the biblical side of things. How do we do this? We get into God. And we say, God, your mercies are new every day. Help me see today fresh and new. Otherwise, we're going to go, okay, another day. <laughs> Got to get through this day. <laughs> Got to get through this, this night. Got to get through this meeting. Got to go to church Sunday morning and hear the pastor speak for again for an hour. Okay, that's done. Don't have you back for six days, for seven days. Oh, now I got to go back. You know, we do this. We really do. I understand it. You know, got to go to work. You know, oh, it's another Christmas. We're supposed to be celebrating Jesus, but you know, all we do is get so wrapped up buying gifts and decorating the house and cooking the dinner and and having, having all the kids and family in my house, and boy, I wish we could go to somebody else's house once in a while, but you know, here, here it is, another, another Christmas. Not everybody would wish that, but I'm just throwing out different things that we can think of because it gets tedious. You know, and we just get bored with it sometimes. But if we look at it and say, God, I'm going to keep it fresh. I want you to show me what is in for the, this day. You know, the good news for us from a Christian point of view is we only have to put up with it for about 80 to 100 years. Now, we laugh about that, and, but I'm being very serious. 20 million years from now, are you going to care about anything that happened in this world and how repetitive it was? No. You know, God's mercies are new every morning. All we got to do is last for 80 to 100 years or less if we don't live that long. Maybe 120 years, 150 years max. You know, with God's newness every day, and know that we've got eternity to look forward to? How did Paul get through all the trials that he went through? You, know, you think your life is bad? Try to get into Paul's shoes. 
you know, shipwrecked, beaten everywhere he goes, chased out of towns everywhere he goes, you know, stoned, uh, you know, all the problems he had. How did he say he got through it? He says, these light afflictions are nothing compared to the riches of eternity. You know, he goes, God, you suffer for a short period of time for the riches of eternity? Fine. Our problem is that we look at it from the world's point of view and say it's just drudgery. Day after day, same thing, same repeating thing. Okay, something worse happened today, something a little better happened today, but I'm going to go through another day. We need to keep our minds focused on eternity. God, brand new. New every day. His mercies are new every day. Is it easy? No. <laughs> Not unless we purpose for it to be easy. I say we get together in the morning, we say, God, I want this to be the day that I listen to you. Show me what you want to do. Make, show me the new mercies. Let me have this as an exciting day. Start doing that and watch God work. It gets easier and easier to do the spiritual things the more we do them. It does. <laughs> you know, hopefully you all understand that as you've gone through, that things get easier as you go and repeat it. You know, if you've ever tried to start learning to read your Bible every day, those first month or two is very hard, and then you get that habit, and you're just used to, it's time to get up, read my Bible. And same thing with prayer. You know, it's time to get up, read, got to say my prayers. Learn to just look to God first and ask God, what is it, what is it exciting? What, what have you got for me today? I think it's wonderfully exciting to live for God every day. Because, boy, God brings some interesting things into my life every once in a while. You know, and I'm sure he does to you as well. You meet some interesting people. You get into some interesting situations. You get into very strange things. You go, God, how did you work this one out? I don't even have a clue how this one worked out. And yet here you are, and God, you're here. The end of the story, fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the total of the law. We're going to keep repeating that. Eventually, you'll learn this verse by the time we get done with this three or four month uh, series, but, uh, because it is the most important part of this. We need a biblical worldview on everything we do. Yeah. And really start thinking about this. God, what is your way of thinking in this situation? I hear too many people that give ungodly counsel and thinking they're giving good counsel. They're giving the world's counsel and saying, well, this is what the world says to do. Well, the world's full of a bunch of lies that are ungodly and, uh, advice. Don't give it. Don't give the world's advice. You know, give biblical counsel. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come before you. Lord, help us always to remember that your mercies are new every day. Your desires for us are good. That your plans for us are good. That you are in control. Help us always to remember these things. Help us to not get wrapped up in the world's way of thinking and always remember that it is new and that you are fresh every day. In Jesus' name, amen.